might just move a little bit that way. There we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake Kerr. I'd like to welcome you to the 86th episode of the Black Ink Podcast. Now, seems to be this one episode a week thing is becoming a trend, and I'm actually super unapologetic about it. I've found myself so busy lately that it's not even been an option to record a second podcast. And, you know, obviously I'm trying to aim for three podcasts a week as I've brought up in the past, but I'm just hitting one on the head. And I must admit, dealing with it has been, and obviously, like, as you know, I hate talking about the podcast in the podcast, but let's talk about the psychology behind this weird game of trying to run, you know, know what to do while you're running this small business when there's no real playbook to go off. And like, also, I'm trying to do something that no one in my community or no one in my direct kind of circle of mentors and peers that I have is doing. So I can't replicate what someone has done around me. I can only really replicate what the professionals in the field have done. So when it comes to this podcast, I think, well, do I get better results when I make three podcasts a week or do I get better results when I do it when I just can and that way I'm condensing. Obviously, when more things are happening, I have more things to talk about. So it's super easy to create a podcast where it's like, oh, I can just get on this subject and go crazy. And even if I have nothing to say about it halfway through it, I can just go, well, I also had this happen and this happened and this happened. So it's kind of cool. When I look back at like, I'm really starting to get some usable data because I've been doing this for over a year. I realized the other day that I've been paying my blackink.com.au domain for over 12 months, which means obviously this has all been an operation for over a year. So when I consider what this was when I began, and I remember this because I had a very clear conversation with a friend of mine. He said, you know, how many are you going to release a week? And I said, five. And he goes, ooh, is that a bit too much to be putting out? I said, yeah, definitely, 100%. But the point is right now I have time to do five episodes a week. So I'll do five episodes a week because it's something that adds depth to my business that doesn't require anything more than what I already have. I can do it for free. I can sharpen the sort of talking on camera. I can get better at being topical or whatever it might be. I don't even know what it is. I'm just gonna go through the steps of like, okay, here's the process broken down. If I do, if, if this takes a thousand hours to get good at it, well, what's the quickest way to get to a thousand hours? It's just fucking doing it all the time. And as with like everything else in this business, the mantra has always been do everything you can as quickly as possible with the money that you have. Now, obviously, the quickest thing that you want to pull apart with that argument is you don't want to do things so quickly that you lose quality, okay? So keeping in mind that the end of the day, I'm trying to deliver the best possible quality product I can. But in that sentence, the thing that I really focus on is delivering. Because whether it's just me or whether it's my generation or whether it's just getting things done in today's modern day, I feel like actually fucking delivering something is super difficult to execute if you're just doing it alone. You know, I know people who are in business with a friend or a, you know, or a sibling or a partner or a few people, and it's easy to execute because you can really draw off people's strengths and weaknesses. You can kind of handball things that you're not as passionate about and maybe give them to someone who is more passionate about it. And if there's a team of two of you, you can have, you know, someone who's excellent in this field over here and someone who's excellent in this field over here, and that meshes together really well. But when I'm by myself, I have a thousand good ideas a day. I'm trying to refine them down to the three usable ideas that are actually applicable to my business and result in making more money. And then being able to turn those ideas from something in my mind to something that's physically being sold to someone else or a service or something that adds value to the business. So when I reflect on all of that and take into consideration the podcast, well, I think the thing that I realize the most is right now, the best possible the best quality I can deliver that's possible for the podcast 
comes when I refine it down to one week and I actually kind of bubble over with shit to talk about and emotions that I want to express and like maybe discuss that I felt in the previous week, whatever it is. And also with that, even if I fucking wanted to do it twice, when? When? You know what I mean? Like I was looking at everything that I've done today. I'm super happy being a Monday that I got so many things on my list done because obviously Mondays, well, not obviously, Mondays for me are busier than every other day because I'm trying to catch up on everything that I didn't do last week and get a nice solid start in for the week. So I try and leave them as empty as possible. So then on Monday I can go like, right, here's all the bits and pieces jobs that I can grab, put together and kind of, it typically ends up in me feeling like I've got a heap of small balls rolling in the right direction for the week. And then the rest of the week is just making sure that you maintain the momentum on each of those balls. Great metaphor. So with the podcast, I mean, looking at my list of stuff that I had to do today, obviously podcast was a definite thing that I had to get done. But I have to go from here to, uh, I've got a print, uh, I've got a screen print t-shirts. I've then got to go and have a meeting about planning for the next couple of weeks with a business that I've got. I've also got a meeting after that. And then I've got an event that I'm actually hosting for someone for an hour after that. And then I come home, it's going to be about seven o'clock. Yeah, seven, seven thirty at night. So, I mean, obviously today's fairly booked up, but even with that, like I haven't read my book for 30 minutes today. I haven't been out to the gym, which normally takes about 45 minutes an hour yet. I haven't really not done anything for any period of time today. Like since I woke up at 4.30 because I had an hour sleep in, it seems to be like job to job to job to job to job to job. And, you know, while, you know, there are some luxuries of working at home, like I haven't done my hair today and like I didn't put moisturizer on until just before this podcast. So, you know, some things you kind of, you know, it's a, it's more just the eating privilege, privileges, I think, because I am pretty disciplined as far as like, I don't really stop working and I don't find myself scrolling on Instagram, not doing anything or crazy shit like that. I'm always doing something. It's just the fact that the fucking, the kitchen, the, the, the pantry and the fridge is within walking distance and it's your food and you can eat anything in there. And I think that's the major, like, that's the thing that holds me back the most. Like, fills up the most amount of time but even then we're talking about like maybe 45 minutes a day in total which is a 15 minute and a half hour break which you should take with a normal eight hour day so i think i'm going to stick to this i think i like it like this because one thing's for sure i put so much pressure on myself to perform with the goals that i set myself that i'm getting right now the ratio for me when i think about how i process all this is i get more out of doing one podcast a week and making it super valuable, filling it with as much, you know, as much of me that I can and working on the, you know, skill of speaking and making sure I'm pronouncing things and not saying, you know, too often or swearing all the time or talking about things that have nothing to do with anything. But on top of that, I'm getting more better result. I mean, I'm getting better results from that than I do from feeling guilty, not adhering to the two or three podcasts a week that's in my goals. So I'm now at a crossroads where I go, right, do I scrub off those other two podcasts that I've got on my goals and just focus on delivering one super quality podcast every week? And that's now my thing. And then that way I free up that, that property in my mind where I have anxious thoughts when I get to Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. I'm like, okay, I've recorded one episode. I've still got to record another two episodes and I don't see an hour block to even get them recorded, let alone edit them and upload them and come up with all the bullshit, you know, the thumbnails and the description and whatnot. So the interesting part about this is these crossroads seem to be met all the fucking time with business when I'm going through what's basically called the, you know, growth phase, I guess. No, it's not growth. It's like, uh, no, it's the growth phase. 
just like basically no two months that I've experienced in the past 12 months of operation have been the same. No two weeks have really been the same. I haven't really had, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as saying no two consecutive days have been the same. I definitely have spent like, you know, two days in a row uh, printing or producing stuff or even just working on social media things. But I'm constantly having to build a system for this business and then rebuild a system on top of that, sometimes using a little bit or sometimes using all of the previous system that I've created and you know, being able to apply it straight away. So build it on at nine o'clock in the morning, have it up and running and applied by 12 o'clock that afternoon and be you know, moving on to the next thing that you have to worry about. And this goes like obviously with the NFTs, with the cryptocurrencies, with everything that I do on my social medias, with obviously making the t-shirts, uh, doing, what else do I do? You know what I mean? The, the, the screen, uh, sorry, the vinyl cutting and printing, which brings me on to an interesting topic. As you may know, I had my car park window banner sale on Saturday, which is pretty fun. Uh, at nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday, we kind of went down the far end of the Bunbury Forum car park just behind McDonald's there. And basically all I had was, I think it was about six different designs and I had them printed out at least four times each and they all had application tape ready on the back. So basically all you had to do was pull up in your car, pick out which one you want off the little A4 sign I had on the side of my car. Um, I'd apply it for you there and then, then and there, and then you pay for it with either, you know, PayPal or if you want to use your card or give me cash, whatever. So one of those things, I fully didn't expect anyone to show up, you know. It's not that I don't expect anyone to show up. You hope, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst sort of thing. And shit. Still though, you find out who the fucking real OGs of black ink are, right? And man, I'm pouring it in a glass with ice because I got it out of the cupboard, okay? I'm not actually that much of a bougie motherfucker to drink V out of a glass with ice cubes, okay? This draw thing though, I am that bougie. So it was a it was an interesting concept to begin with because I've never really done anything. What the fuck? Why is there fucking helmets down here? Jesus Christ, cunt. No one could have put them there except for me as well. So hey, what the fuck, dude? But it was an interesting concept because I haven't done this before. So when you're a business, like it's really hard to just come up like, you know, you think, oh yeah, I got this good idea, I'm gonna go do it. It has to be within the realm of what people are expecting from your business. Because if you go chucking some shit out there that isn't contextual with what you do, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't like align with, you know, at a foundational level, like your ethics of your business or your moles of your business and all the way up to it doesn't make sense with like the direction of your business, then it's hard for the audience to respond to that. And if it's hard to respond, that's the first step between your idea and making money out of it. So if the response is like, uh, okay, like, why would I consider going to that when I've never seen you as someone who does X, Y, or Z, whatever you're trying to achieve? So, obviously, it was a bit of a gamble to begin with. It's a gamble that I thought was reasonably uh, safe because I think that putting extra large window banners on people's uh, modified cars is quite a regular theme in Bunbury. In fact, I think there's not enough of it. There is actually people out there who want banners for their cars. And I remember when I was young, we used to have this shop called Cactus 23, I think. And it was next to the, the adult shop near Centerpoint. My Bunbury guys will know what I'm talking about. And they used to sell like Jet Pilot and Skin 
and fucking unit and all of those you know all those brands were the fucking yahoos used to wear like all the motocross boys being they sold like wakeboarding gear and shit but they used to have those massive window banners under the fucking desk in there you know and they'll they'll be worth like 60 70 bucks i remember when i was 15 16 like saying to my mum, like you have to buy me one of these skin banners so that when i fucking get a car i can put on the back window that was you know all i wanted was like a body kit and a whale tail some nitrous and exhaust and a skin banner on the back of my mitsubishi lancer you know if you go back to my year seven graduation book you know when you graduate primary school and you get the fucking the the school book at the end of the year and all the year sevens get to have a little quote under their name like everyone's like oh i want to grow up to be a fucking like dude the, the the fucking guy with autism had a better answer than what i did he's like i want to grow up to be a music teacher or something and i've like put in there i just want to own a lancer with a whale tail and nos in year seven that's what my goal in life was to own a fucking mitsubishi lancer dude what are we doing but the point is they'd sell these banners for like 60 70 bucks i go fucking crazy and there was definitely a time when like, you know, everyone used to go down to Back Beach on a Thursday night, you park up there and you fucking SS and your Utes and your Fast Fours and this and that. And people had massive wind, uh, banners on their, win- on, on their windows of their cars. So for me, it's like, it's not a new idea. And I think with the whole theme around black ink and what it feels like and what it is with the motorbikes and the boys doing wild shit and wearing cool clothes and hot girls wearing the clothes and all the rest, a window banner makes sense. So, I started that big ass plan. And as I explained in the previous podcast, it wasn't just a case of having an idea and executing it. There was steps to it. It was having the idea and then making it seem like, oh, I've had this flash in the pan idea, you know, a week after that everyone started kind of getting exposed to this idea of having a banner on their car that says black ink, understanding what a banner is, seeing how big they are, people watching me do it on my stories, like applying the banner. So you get a, you get like an understanding of what the process is. So you trust it a bit more. Obviously you trust the brand because you follow it, you know what's going on, you know me, you know my name. I'm always like the person that's consistently talking to you from the perspective of black ink. So the whole like leading up to it was probably more important than the execution of what it was on the day. And as it turns out, I had people there from, you know, I arrived at quarter to nine and didn't leave until about quarter to 11. And I was busy the whole time talking to people and applying stickers the whole time. I didn't stop. So that's a fucking successful day. It's funny because I didn't have like a cluster of people around me just going like, take my money. Like Jake, please, please. Can I have a banner? Cause I didn't have that. I was like, Oh, you know, was it that good? Yeah, it was that good. Because it's the first public pop-up that I've ever done besides the, the Perth Motorcycle Festival or show, whatever it's called, which I was like invited to. And you already got foot traffic there as well. So people, you know, like it's not a hard cross reference to go like, oh yeah, Black Ink, he's got a Harley in his store. He's got some clothes there. I kind of get what's going on, you know. But this here was like, oh, I'm just going to a public place where there is no foot traffic, where we're actually going to be in people's way. I'm just got to operate out the back of my car without any signage or anything and just have like literally the bare essentials i need to do this playing music out of a fucking yui boom you understand like no table set up i didn't even have the tailgate down on my car i was just fucking operating leaning in and out grabbing the tools and bits and pieces i need so as far as like how to gauge that how successful was it i think everything there shows that it was successful my feelings after the fact were it could have been more successful. But the thing that I take away from it is that it's an extremely good start. It's a good introduction to my audience of doing these pop-ups, which I think have heaps of legs. I really like the concept of creating uh, like pop-ups 
where I just like might do a shirt release and go, right, the pre-order's cut off now. After that, if you want to get this shirt, you have to get it either at Sabotage or the pop-up, um, which is going to be at XYZ. I think that's really cool to create like physical. I think the cool part about it for me is the concept of making these physical catch-ups where people who fuck with you all the time on Instagram can actually come and like be there face-to-face and have conversations. And like, I feel... You know, it sounds like really um, pretentious or egotistical to say this, but I feel like people would get a lot out of actually engaging with me face to face because as I've spoken about the podcast before, this is one of those things I talk to you, but you never talk back to me. You know, I don't know if you agree with me. I don't know if like, you know, like everything you said in that podcast was great. 17 minutes in, you said something about an autistic kid having a better line than you in a school book. Oh, I don't really fuck with that because, you know, someone in my family has autism and, you know, I can't take a joke. You know, I can't hear you saying that. So when it comes to like, I know with people that I fuck with all the time on Instagram and on YouTube and on Facebook and, you know, meeting them face to face, even if I like, I've got friends that are influencers that like have you big YouTube channels and shit. And it's funny, like I've known them since since before that. And then when I call them now, I get all like weird because I'm like, oh, like what's going on, man? Like, how are you? And it's like, they haven't changed at all. You know what I mean? So if I'm having that experience with people that I respect in the scene, then I'm assuming, you know, the half a dozen people out there that respect me and what I'm doing, giving them that opportunity in their hometown, in a place where they're comfortable, not where it's like in a shopping center or, you know, I'm doubling or like it's in the Harley shop or something crazy, which... Harley shop guys if you're listening there's nothing wrong with you it's just the Harley shop is intimidating to some people for some reason okay and I I still don't know I'm not even fucking with you I don't know people are weird you know it's just like it's a cool opportunity to be like fuck yeah I'm gonna go and engage with black ink so creating and the biggest part about this is is doing that in the current climate you know come and hang out in a public space in the fresh air don't wear your mask all that's fucking important is i don't even want you to come down and buy shit i just want you to come down and be part of it because one thing we're definitely lacking in 2022 is community it's physical fucking contact with people like being there you know what i mean like connecting with people when you can see them and you can smell them and you can shake their hands and you can kick their feet or whatever you want to do so i think it's cool to like build those sorts of scenarios i mean I think one of the cool things about uh, when I go riding on my motorbike with the fellas, it's cool that you're all going and doing something that you like doing together. It's something that was so like organic and obvious when you're a kid. Like, yeah, we all meet at the end of the street after school as soon as we possibly can just to fucking hang out. So what do you do? Well, fuck, whatever happens, you know, go dig some holes or that tree's always good to climb. And, you know, like that, it's all so obvious. But then when you catch up with someone as an adult, You're like, oh, yeah, we're going to drink piss and smoke cigarettes at, you know, fucking The Rose. It's like, oh, you can literally like you you can just come come around and just sit in a seat next to me and we can just talk. You know, that is fucking hell good. I mean, you don't have to like this. I okay. side note. I think a lot of people will agree that the typical catch up these days, oh, let's catch up for a beer. Let's catch up for coffee. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like caught up with a transaction. And something so weird about, like, for me, you say to me, okay, easy one, Jake, let's go grab a coffee, okay? We go to the restaurant, we go to the cafe, whatever it is, and I mean, these days, you got all the bullshit, right? you got to sign in, you got to wear your mask. Before that, I have to think about what I'm wearing, because now I'm going to a place where, like, cafes in 2022, we're not just getting coffee, dude, we're in a pissing contest, okay? Dude, 
I'm not even shopping. But if I go out and, you know, anything over a seven sees me dressed in something less than me looking like a seven, what are we doing? You're out in public. Think about it, bro. God didn't bless you with these attributes to look like a fucking homeless man, okay? So I gotta think about what shoes I'm wearing. Do my socks match my shirt? Does my hair look okay? Do I need to put a fucking plaid in? Do I need to brush my beard? Have I brushed my teeth? All this bullshit goes into like, hang on. Obviously I would brush my teeth if I was catching up with a friend. I went too far, shoot me. All this goes into this transaction before we even got to the cafe. And then we get to the cafe. It's like, you know, 17 out of 10 times, we're going to sit somewhere where people can hear us, okay? And then 23 out of 10 times, we're going to be sitting somewhere where there's too much noise anyway. Whether it's the music that like cafes feel they need to fucking blow you away with now. Like, hey, listen to Flume at fucking 37 out of 50 on the volume. You know what I mean? Or we're going to sit somewhere where there's just cars going past all the time. Or we're going to sit somewhere where there's people walking in, you know? And people walking in are like is is like the people walking in is people i know it's like girls wearing no fucking bra and having their nipples pierced because that's the cool thing to do these days so it's like i'm like fucking bashed with a barrage of things going on before we even say hello you know what i mean and then to top that off because it's so overwhelming most people feel the need to sit their phone right next to them just in case they get a message or a notification on social media that's more important and trump's talking to me in that moment so then they get interrupted by that and then the flow of our interaction that's already been fucked with with everything is now being fucked with by your phone as well so instead of doing all of this fuckery let's just go for a walk you know let's just go for a walk not even in the main street of town. How bizarre is this? Let's go for a walk in a quiet residential area. How fun would that be? I tell you what, again, come around to my place and sit on a chair next to me and you know what, halfway through the conversation, feel yourself kind of dozing? Guess what I've got in the cupboard? Makona. Is it Makona? Yeah, it's Makona. I was like, am I pronouncing that right? I feel like I put a different letter in the middle of that that isn't right, but it's Makona. And you know your boy runs with full cream milk and raw sugar because I'm not here to fuck spiders, all right? But yeah, it's so weird that people want to catch up for coffee and beers. And then it's like, if you want to catch up for beers as well, well, now we've signed up for a subscription service for the next however many hours we're here. Every 20 minutes, one of us has to spend like 25 bucks, right? For however long we're here. Every 15, 20, maybe half an hour, someone's spending 25 bucks on another round. And then... The fucking, it's funny because the more money you spend, the lesser the fucking IQ of the conversation that you have. You know what I mean? Like if you're there for like three hours on that, like spending that money all the time, by the end of it, you're like telling each other you love each other and like, oh, we should catch up more, bro. And you're like half a pack down of Winnie Blues and your throat's fucking killing you. Dude, let's just go for a walk around a residential area. How does that sound, you know? But you say that to people and you're the fucking psychopath in the conversation. It's like, nah, we could just go for a beer, you know? I had, it's funny actually, I had one of my mentors say to me, like, I always catch up for people for coffee and I always go somewhere where we can get takeaway and then walk from there because then it's like you're doing it and you, you know what I mean? It's like the sly way of like doing what you want and making it their idea. Oh, I'm such a manipulator. But I had one uh, mentor, I was like, Oh, I said, yeah, we'll catch up for a coffee. And it was like nine in the morning. It was organized. And he's like, oh, no, fucking running late. I was like, all right. So it turns to 
And luckily I hadn't left home yet. And then I had that feeling like, don't leave home just in case, you know, they're hopeless. But as it turns out, they, they were because it blew out another three times until 12 o'clock. And then it's like, oh, fuck it. We're just going to get a beer. And look, this is an unpopular opinion. I know that. I know that I'm the fucking black sheep in this scenario. But drinking beer in the middle of the day on a Wednesday? What are we doing? I don't understand that. You know, and hey, look, allegedly your boy is stoned from the moment he wakes up until the moment he goes to bed. Okay. And allegedly that helps him do what he needs to do. Drinking alcohol in the middle of the day. I would much rather drink a shot of methylated spirits first thing in the morning than drink a fucking pint of beer in the middle of the day. Unless I've just come off a Harley doing 160 down Southwest Highway. You understand? Like that just sounds like fucking hell to me because see, this is the thing. Like now, now I'm forced with a question of, are we now drinking, drinking? Cause fuck yeah. I'll, I'll start drinking with you at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. If you're going to turn this off at fucking midnight tonight, you know what I mean? You want to party? You want to do something? You want to talk business? I'll definitely day drink with you. Okay. We'll figure out all the world's problems. I'm not even being sarcastic right now. That's true. But if you want to have one beer in the middle of the day, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Well, now I'm just going to have these pointless carbohydrates that taste like warm cow piss. Well, cold cow piss. And so now I just feel bloated and because it's super heavy in carbs, I want to go home and sleep and also like had to have the obligatory cigarette while I was there. So now because I'm not smoking nicotine, I've also got to go through the withdrawals of that. Like all of this just for you to feel comfortable sitting out in the sun. Who sits out in the sun? Who sits out in the sun? Ever, you know? Like sitting out in the sun on a straight... Like did you know people... Okay, I was going to go off on a tangent there, but I'm not. No, fuck it. Dude, it's fucking like a nice day today. If I stood out in the sun for literally five minutes, I would start getting sunburned. Okay? This is Australia. You have to be sensible. There should not be any seats out. In the I remember when I caught up. Remember when I told you about the story I caught up with a dude up in Perth? I rode my bike the whole way there to talk to him. And then he, I, I, I danced around the truth of what actually happened there. So basically, when I went and talked to him, he fucked me around for an hour and a half talking about shit that had nothing to do with what I was talking about because he did no research on who I was or what I was about and just assumed I was, you know, I get it. You have heaps of people like me asking dumb questions or whatever. But at the same time, if you're not going to have the time to look at my Instagram account, then definitely don't fucking invite me up for a coffee to talk about nonsense with you that's going to cost me 400 fucking kilometers on a motorbike. It's going to ruin my day if you're not going to show me the respect. Dude, what are you doing? You know? Anyway, he sat out in the sun like a fucking psychopath. Hey, I should have known straight away. When he went to sit out in the sun, I should have known. I should have been like, hey, bro, you know what? I've already wasted enough time. I'm going home. Anyway, the fuck was I talking about? How do we get here? Sitting out in the sun. Go back, go back, go back. So yeah, the fucking car park pop-up banister was sick. And I think it's a really good introduction into doing more physical pop-up shops in the future, which has me on to, let's kind of tie in a couple of things that I've been talking about. This building a system thing, uh, obviously, sorry, building changing systems that you have to adapt and apply straight away and be willing to change them within a week's time if need be. I'm now, obviously I have several different ways of producing garments, depending on what the graphic is or what the garment that I'm trying to produce or what the end result looks like. I've got a few different avenues that I can take. And I've most recently been utilizing the services of a director garment printer here in Bunbury because he gives me reasonably good prices on the, uh, the printing that he does. Uh, that pricing is only competitive when I take into consideration that I'm doing small amounts. As soon as I get like over 20 prints of something like 
where it might cost, you know, these are fucking extremely round numbers, like where it might cost something like $20 for, for a print from them. I might be able to produce that in-house, that exact same quality, if not better, for say 10, you know? Like I don't, I don't know what these numbers are, but I do know that like the comparison is like somewhere like 50%, okay? And, and like it's probably, it's probably over 50% more expensive or mo over 100% more expensive to go through them when I'm doing these small prints. And the cool thing about where I'm at now is that if we look at how Black Ink has been tracking over the past couple of months, because now we've got two months, we're into the third month of fucking 2022, dude. Like Russia has gone to war with Ukraine. What's going on, you know? So obviously in January, I really focused on explaining and educating my audience with the fact that I'm doing this 20 and 20 T's in 2022. Each of those 20 T's are going to be made 20 times. Each of them are going to come with unique identification tags on the inside, which is like a little one of 20 or two of 20 tag that goes on the inside. It never washes off. And it basically solidifies the fact that that is part of a greater collection of T's. And that greater collection of T's fits into a whole fucking big collection for the year. So there's 400 T's made in the year in total that spread amongst 20 different designs. And each of those designs are made 20 times super exciting has been super unsuccessful so far so let's talk about it right my first tea that i released was the field tea which is actually on my mannequin just back here if you're watching that field tea which i thought was an extremely cool design very plain very basic i had one of my mentors say after the fact like that's your best design yet i like how simple it is it you're not over the top you're not trying to be something that you're not and for me that design was super cool because it was a single color it was nice and kind of blocky and like uh rigid so i could screen print it and that's super exciting because obviously i only got my screen printer early january and the whole idea was to start producing as many products as i possibly can with it to justify spending that money because you know never have money when you're in business at the start so spending two thousand dollars on a piece of equipment is like okay well let's start making as much money back as we can straight away so getting that design like the main consideration i had when designing it was well i didn't design that the main consideration i had when directing that design was do something that is possible with a with a screen printer make it one color and make it make it uh just bold i guess i'm i'm not thinking of the word but just make it like you know make it impact you know so i made that of course through the whole process i also uh you know developed the screen myself which is a whole process in itself um, bringing the whole production studio here so that, you know, not only can I do the screen prints, I can do the screen development, I can wash the screens here, I can set everything, I've got the red light, I've got the low boy, I've got everything I need here to do that. And that was all part of that process. It was like the first project utilizing all of these moving pieces to come together to make a nice machine, you know. I made, I believe, 10 shirts, 10 field tees, uh, put six of them in the, uh, in Sabotage. And then I released the rest on my online store, promoted them, not the exact same way. I probably put about 50% of my pr promotional effort into, you know, trying to get that tea off the ground and getting people psyched about it. And also sending people the emails to, you know, with an email campaign so you can go like, hey, thanks for purchasing, purchasing off me before. Here's my new product. You can have it at this special price. I get in before everyone else, da, da, da. It's called an email campaign, by the way. And I don't actually say thanks for purchasing off me before. It's a given that I have your email address because you purchased off me before. And here I am just being an absolute bastard using it to try and sell something to you again. But just in case you do want it, here's a great deal. And I'll even chuck in shipping if, you know, you're a good dude. 
So, didn't do well. Didn't do well at all. I think in total I've sold five, six, maybe seven of them out of 20. And the whole fucking idea of making 20 of them each is so that they fucking sell out. So it creates exclusivity. So it means that if you see something that you want and the last one sold out and the ones before them sold out and the ones before them sold out, then you better get on this, okay? So sure, I might be capping how much money I can make in the year by only making 400 tees when I'm a fucking t-shirt brand. But at the same time, if I spend a year creating that narrative with my audience, that means that next year, if I want to do, say, double the amount and I've got double the following, and it doesn't exactly work like this, but stay with me, round numbers, I can basically just add on to that story that I've already been telling, that I have this exclusive brand that I only make so many of each tea and those teas do sell out every time. So then if I want to translate that into more tea sales or if I want to translate that into doing collections that are limited or whatever it is, sure, it might mean that I shoot myself in the foot with making a, you know, a good amount of money this year, but it opens up so much more potential because I've created the exclusivity around the brand and I've built the value of the brand up at the same time because it is selling out all the time. So it's one of those decisions that I got to make because I created enough income outside of the t-shirt sales themselves so that... I didn't necessarily have to make the most profitable decisions when coming to Black Ink. I could think more strategically than I could out of like financial necessity. And that's when business starts getting really fun, when you've got a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. And to be very honest with you, I don't even have a fucking one-year plan. You know, like when, when I talk about a plan, I mean something where it's like, okay, here's the end goal and here's the five major stages that I've got and here are the steps in those stages or here's the steps in the first stage. I don't have any plan like that that stretches five years. But I'm setting enough things in practice now that have enough range within each of those things that I can experiment with, experiment with that will allow me to collect data with my audience and my customers and best facilitate the needs and wants of those customers based off all the data that I've got back. So I, re I uh, released my second tea for the year, which was the Valentine's Day tea, which was, uh, so the way I promoted that was with that little reel where Riz was, uh, Riz went up to the top of uh, the lookout tower in Bunbury and she locked a little padlock on there which had black ink written on it. And then she took the key, walked down and then hid it under a seat. I posted this reel first thing Monday morning and said, check out the new tea, here it is. If anybody finds the key, goes and unlocks it and shows me, you've got yourself a free tea. And fucking, what do you know, 15 minutes after posting it, a mate of mine that, you know, I partied with a dozen times fucking five years ago. I was like, bro, I fucking, I'm going to go see if it's there. I was like, for sure, man, go do it. So he goes and finds a key. He goes up there, he unlocks it. And I said, bro, just do me a favor, send me a story. So he does that. He sends me a story. I was like, this is unreal. 20 minutes, 20 minutes it took. I thought this is going to be a fucking hit because the reel did really well. And then following up the reel, because obviously I posted the reel into my story straight away saying, hey, get amongst it. And then he posted his story and tagged me in it. And I showed that after the fact. So I'm telling all of my audience a story. Look, here's this new shirt that I've got. Here's this giveaway. Look, here's someone giving, winning the giveaway, a Bunbury local. It makes it real. The people who know that guy now makes it super tangible, tangible because maybe they don't know me personally, but they know him. And they go, fuck, well, you fuck a black ink. And then he's going to be wearing the shirt because obviously he's proud of it because he won it. Interesting, right? And it flopped. Man, the reel got a good amount of likes and comments and it got really good traction, heaps of views and flopped. I was like, fuck, is this me? 
Is it the design? Is it the product? Is it the promotion? Is it the marketing? Is it Black Ink as a whole is just having a bit of a lull at the moment? What is it? Right? But then I go and do this banner thing. I start printing out banners and stickers and all the rest. And that goes fucking ape dildo, you know? Actually, let's talk about ape dildo, right? Because this is a word that I've got in my mind that is in nobody else's and doesn't mean anything but is hilarious to me. This one time when I was living in here in vain, I was playing a game of Scrabble with my friend Josh Lose. Josh Lose, if you have listened to all of the stories, is a guy who basically like sparked my you know conscious awareness within myself after asking me one day, hey man, what the fuck are you doing? Right after I threw a grape, I was trying to throw a grape into Crispy's gravy on his plate and he was wearing all white, you know, because he's Dutch. And Josh was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 17 and I don't know what I'm doing. And then I started making decisions and asking myself questions and, you know, developing as a person and, you know, just being self-aware, you know? So he was that guy in my story. Well, we used to do little things. Actually, he was a guy who got me into the US office, which is actually fucking crazy now I think about it because I literally have been listening to the office in the background all day today. Like I stopped it to start the podcast. It's that relevant in my life still. Watched all the episodes a hundred times over. Anyway, we were playing this game of Scrabble once. And we got to a point where, like, I always consider myself to be, you know, reasonably smart and good at English and all the rest. And then when you play just a normal person, you know, like, I don't think, you know, Josh is super smart or anything. I think he's very intelligent. But as far as, like, you know, having a massive vocabulary or dichotomy of words, I don't think that was his particular strength, even though I think I learned the word dichotomy off him as well. Maybe he was a little bit smarter than I gave him credit for, but... Either way, he made me feel really dumb because I just fucking didn't know words. You know what I mean? And like, you know, you know that feeling where you're looking at all the letters you got in Scrabble and you're like, well, I may as well have seven Y's because there's fucking no words in this. You know what I mean? Like I have literally every vowel here and I've got some really good consonants, but there's nothing that can be made, you know? And you're looking at the board and you're like, well, there's nothing I can do. And then you'd be like, well, Josh, okay, let's cut the shit because I'm not going to pass for a 17th time. Can you tell me what I can make here? He's like, yeah, dude, you can make... Look, you can make Prime, you can make Excavator, uh, let me think, you can make Bottle, you know, and you're just like, how the, are you using your letters? Like, what's going on here? So we got to a point where basically we're just making up anything, you know, like, it wouldn't, not making up anything, like, you start, it starts innocently where you're like, okay, you can do names, if you know, so I'm like, sweet. One of the first things I did was Kerr, because I'm, you know, it's my surname. So... Did Kerr, and then I think he did something which started like the, the silly goose train, you know? And then, oh, that's right. Okay, so we went a few backwards and forwards using real words with a, you know, with the idea that, okay, you know, if you really want to, you can, uh, you can, you can use names. And then I used Kerr, and then he, after a few turns, I think he turned Kerr into um, a carrot, like a carrot which was basically putting um, A at the beginning of cur and IT at the end of it, which is a carrot, you know, like you eat a carrot. <laughs> and I remember on the board, there was, uh, there was the word ape. And it was one of those ones where like, you know, it was a super open board and there was an A in the middle of one of the big long words right down the center. And I've just put PE on the end of it. And Josh is like, what are you doing? Why would you close the board up like that? Like you've used a prime vowel in such good property and you've just put two letters onto it to make a fucking three letter word to make a total score of like five. 
why the fuck would you do that? I'm like, I can't make anything else. And dude, I probably had like 17 obvious options after that, you know? Anyway, as it turns out, by the end of the game, I actually had a collection of letters, uh, dildo, that I couldn't use for anything else. And the story tells itself from here. So obviously we got to a point where that ape still hadn't been utilized yet because how do ya? And I thought, well, this is the power move. This is a time when we fucking, you know, we bank on that triple, triple word score. We see if we can get our score up to over 30, you know, and walk away with this game with a bit of dignity. So I chucked dildo on the board. And at that point... Josh had got past the serious phase and was just in a silly phase. Like, yeah, okay, let's not just chuck anything on the board and be fucking stupid with it, but also let's be stupid with it. And I fucking remember it clear as day because, dude, Josh, if you're listening to this, you're the only person, you're the only person ever who gets away with wearing tracky bottoms, right? This would be all the time. This is all he wore. He wore tracky bottoms and then his socks would go into his trackies. He wouldn't have his trackies tucked into his socks. It wasn't that vibe. And then he'd always have on like clean runners. And we'd always be fucking with shit that was dirty, but his runners were always clean, you know? And then on the top half, he would wear a fucking long sleeve, you know, the skins, the long sleeve, but one of the white ones. And we're all athletes, dude. Everyone but me is fucking shredded. I got the little tummy on me because, you know, marathon skater, little bit of fuel in the tank all the time. But not Josh. He was shredded. But he wasn't like ab shredded. He was just like a thin, like athlete shredded. And just always fucking wore this white long sleeve skin stop, which is never acceptable by anyone ever in any situation. You're at home by yourself. Don't wear that fucking skin stop. Sorry, there is one time you can wear that. And that's when you're working out. Okay. And even then, respectfully, as a guy, you wear it underneath a shirt. Okay. Okay. Don't wear a skin stop and nothing else. Because then you can just wear nothing else. Because you don't need to compress your abs. You don't need to compress your shoulders or your forearms. You're a fucking idiot, you know? Except for Josh. He's the only one who gets away with this. Right? And then, this is the best part. So, he, uh, he had to wear glasses, right? And you can't wear contacts while you're skating because they freeze up when you're doing ice speed skating. So he used to have these Oakleys that had the prescription in them. But of course, they were like Oakley radars, which are full just cycling and skating glasses. And he had them in yellow. So he would just walk around like my, my, like my memory of his avatar is him walking around uh, the apartment with like always some granola and yogurt and avocado and oil or something. Just, you know, the healthiest shit you can imagine that you're just like, I'm never eating that. You know, he'd be walking around just like mm, eating that with his fucking white long sleeve compression tights on and his fucking you know cool track pants and his socks and his shoes always held clean you know what i mean and this guy just rolling around on the fucking floor laughing at ape dildo and i'm laughing at him because i'm like this is so far out of your fucking iq ball court you know what i mean there's no way that i've caught you on a silly moment right now and you're caught in the silliness and i'm laughing at that i know that this isn't funny to you but you're laughing at yourself being silly brilliant you know and then i just get the beautiful fucking i get the privilege of living the rest of my life of having the word ape dildo in my mind and never being able to use it in reference never being contextual with the word ape dildo you know what i mean hey hey i'm glad fucking someone else knows now i can sleep a little bit better dude i don't even remember what i was fucking talking about right so, basically, with the, uh, with the systems integration, it was something to do with that, wasn't it? Right. Talking about new ideas, changing systems. Oh, 
So this fucking physical pop-up shop mixed with a new system, right? So what I'm now starting to think is because I've come to a point where I'm now on the third release of the year. So we've just talked about the field tea. We've just talked about the Valentine's Day tea. The Valentine's Day tea didn't do well at all. And it also, the thing about the Valentine's Day tea, it, the thing that it had over the field tea was it was a full color graphic. It was on a white, it was on a white tee. Dude, I didn't even think of that. People don't wear white tees, you know? And I fucked it because where I went wrong is Riz, I got, I, like when I got the samples printed, I got her a small white and I got me a large black. You know what I mean? Because I wear black tees. And she's, and I, like, honestly, it does look better printed on a white tee, but also you have to remember that it doesn't matter whether it looks good printed on a white tee or a black tee uh, when no one wears white tees, you know what I mean? And I know there's people out there that are like, oh, I wear white tees. It's like, yeah, but you've also got an autistic brother. I don't care, okay? My audience wears black tees. So that's probably where I went wrong there. Well, I don't know. Now I've got this new fucking design. It'll be interesting to kind of weigh up those things because that is the one element that is consistent. But also, there was a full color print and it was very well designed. You know, I think it was a beautiful design. I think it was super undersold. Maybe the, the method of promotion wasn't exactly what it should have been, uh, but it definitely didn't render the results that I wanted. But coming into this new tea, which is obviously the everything tea, which I've named it, and I'm pretty sure at this point, nobody knows what it looks like. I've sold, I pre-sold six of them. So it's already almost outperformed the field tea and people don't even fucking know what it looks like, okay? I guess that's a good indication. I've been talking about it a lot. It's kind of been the topic of uh, conversation lately because as explained in my previous podcast, I had the designer, uh, Mitch, reach out and say, hey, we can probably put together a photo shoot if you can get these teas made for us today. Uh, we can get it all organized in the next couple of days. And then fucking bang, what happened? Queensland gets flooded, okay? And dude, they're so fucking flooded. Homeboy can't even like operate his computer at the moment because they're fucking flooded. Like up to their like ankles and knees and shit, flooded. It's like bizarre to me. But bizarre to me in a way where I'm not upset. It's just like bizarre to me like, like, you fucking serious? Like literally the, the, the day after the photo shoot was done, this happened. Like they can't drive to work and shit. It's so flooded. So, oh gravy. Hey, who's in my yard? It's all good. I'm sure they'll come to the door if they need me. But so yeah, they have that happen. And then I'm left in a situation now where I did everything right. You know what I mean? Like I got the samples made so far ahead of time. And then my fucking printer goes like, oh, sorry, dude, like can't do it. My fucking printer blew up. Your job was literally next on the list. I can't have them until Monday. And I'm like, all right, I'm talking to the guy who designs them. He says, organize it all, get the photo shoot, da, da, da. Then they fucking get the photo shoot. I get them made over there. I get them picked up. I have the photo shoot take place. You know, you pay for all the shit to happen. And then, sorry, you pay for the shirts to get made. Um, they pick them up. They have a photo shoot. And then I find out the next day, you know, obviously we're not going to get the photos as soon as we thought. And that means that we're now out of like, the big focus with this one was that I wanted to make sure that the promoting of it was done so well beforehand that that element of it was crossed out. So if I do a reel about it, if I do a photo post about it, if I do stories every day leading up to it, I create the exclusivity around the whole thing, then it still doesn't do well, then it's the product. It's more likely the product because it means that my promotional sh shit has always been on point. I've like promoted the fuck out of shit before, sold plenty of them to plenty of different customers, plenty of repeat customers. So I know that part of my like marketing, promotion, advertising skills is fairly honed in at the moment. So following all of this, 
I check into my director garment printer on Friday because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get these photos in time. Let's see if I can still get these things printed on Monday, as he said. No, it hadn't even left the Eastern States yet. Why? Because they're fucking flooded. So his printer isn't on the way to replace the one that blew up, which means that he's not going to be able to print the shirts that he was going to print for me on Monday at all. He's not going to be able to print the shit that I'm probably going to get the pictures beforehand. You know what I mean? Like it's all just a fucking major head fuck, but all good because your boy sees opportunity and a challenge, right? Turn it all into a marketing ploy, jump on my stories and just say, hey guys, this is exactly what's happened. I know you guys don't even know what it looks like yet. Tell me. Do you just want me to release this shit and have it? Or do you want to wait? Do you want to wait for the photo shoot? Do you want to wait for the whole fucking process and go through it all? And you know what everyone said? Just wait. Just wait and do it properly. So it's cool. I didn't even have to make the hard decision. I gave the decision to my audience and they made it for me. They made them feel like they're... And I'm, I'm talking about them as if they're a third party. Making everyone feel like they're as much of a part of my business as they are. I'm driven by the customers that choose to buy my products and keep food on my table. So by giving them the options to make, not only are we helping the algorithm getting engagement on social media, but we're giving them a choice and we're listening. How fucking beautiful, right? Now, hoping for the best and expecting the best, this shirt's gonna sell out, okay? It was meant to be released on Wednesday. I'm working with a pencil date of Friday, okay? It's gonna sell out by Monday. I'm gonna make 20 of them. It's gonna sell out. Six of them are pre-sold, okay? We've got 14 to go. I don't have one yet. Riz doesn't have one yet. You know, the OG who's gonna buy the second NFT, which is about to happen any day now, and I've got about half a dozen of you motherfuckers telling me that you're gonna buy the second NFT, which entitles you to one of every single shirt that gets released this year. You even get to choose what fucking number you get, and Homeboy, if he does follow through with the sale, is gonna get 420 out of every shirt released this year, which is, hey, the collector's fucking wet dream, right? So now we're down to what, fucking 10, 11, 12 shirts left maybe? Dude, when you guys see this, you're gonna come in your pants. It's fucking lit. I collabed with a jet pilot designer. I'm not fucking playing anymore, do you understand? Dude, I don't just raise the bar once, I keep raising it, okay? I keep raising it. And I know I just went on a fucking 45 minute rant telling you how those two shirts didn't do well. Hey, fuck them. This one's gonna sell out, right? I'm just gonna sit back. I'm gonna promote it the way I plan to. I'm gonna let all of those challenges turn into opportunities, as I mentioned. And then we're gonna watch this thing sell out. And I'm betting on myself because I've already ordered the fucking heat transfers, right? So you know that whole equation that we did before where I said if I get 20 of them, then it makes it about or under 50% of what the cost is direct to garment, right? You with me? I'm betting on that. They're already ordered. They're already on their way. So the ones you see in the photo shoot, they're a direct to garment print, okay? Essentially to the naked eye, it's the same thing, okay? If you want to get really wanky over it, one of them's a little bit thicker than the other, but I won't tell you because then it ruins it for you, okay? They're direct to garment, but the ones that I'm going to sell are going to be heat pressed. I'm going to produce them right here. I'm going to utilize the machine that I have to use, which remember isn't the screen press where I drag ink through it. It is the heat press where I apply a transfer to a shirt using 150 degree heat for about 10 seconds at a time and then finish it, pack it and post it to your door, right? I just fucking ordered them, you know? You just gotta bet on yourself sometimes, you know? 600 bucks, bet on yourself, you know? Put it on red cunt, I don't even care anymore. Well, I do, 
600 bucks is heaps of money, you know? Actually, I think that's, that's some other client shit as well. It's not all 600 bucks. But I'm now at a point where I thought, fuck it. I'm planning this shit as if I'm selling 20 of them every single time and I'm going to order them in advance so I'm ready for when those orders come in. Because at the moment, still, if you follow my story, you know. When I first started this shit, you would, I would make something in my head. I'd make a mock-up of what it looks like on Photoshop and I'd put it on my website. And you go on there and you say, fuck, I like that, I'm going to buy one. That order comes through to me. I would then send that mock-up to a place over in the eastern states. They'd then direct a garment, print that, send it to me, I'd take it out of the bag, steam it, fold it back up, package it with my shit, put a little note in there saying thank you for the support, and then send it to you. I was making about six bucks a shirt at the start for a long time, for a lot of shirts, hoodies even less, right? I had fuck all profit margin on me, but the point was I did what I could do with the, with the equipment and the finances that I had, right? So getting myself to a point where I'm obviously talking about the decisions that I'm making now, I've had to change that system so many times. Just recently, we changed it so that I can produce it in-house. But these full color things were still done out of house. But it doesn't make sense when I have the potential to produce them in-house, but it's a bit of a different method. Well, let's fucking figure it out, you know? And also, remember, not floating myself up here, but there's no boss breathing down my neck saying, get more efficient, make it more cost-effective, see if you can do a better job, see if you can deliver, deliver a better quality product. That's just a feeling that I have, you know what I mean? That's something that you, that's like a hunger that you have to stay really aware all the time. Like, how can I do this better? If I was a customer and I received this, would I be stoked with it? Like, consistently asking that question, dude, I almost get fucking hard thinking about it. What a thing to do. What a thing to be good at, you know? Unreal. But one thing's for sure. I'm planning as if black ink's going to the fucking moon. So I'm planning for everything to sell out, you know? And... I'm in a position now where advantageously I can have the upfront funds to make these decisions. And that's basically all that was stopping me before is being able to fucking go, okay, I'm going to go buy 20 of these transfers, which is actually more like 50 because you've got to get 20 on the front, 20 on the back, do all, you know, have a few spares just in case you fuck up a shirt here and there. And then also have all of those shirts ready to fucking go as well. So you have to have Five smalls, uh, you know, 10 mediums, 20 larges, 20 extra larges, 10 double extra larges and five triple extra larges because it's not that all of those are going to sell, but you know that when you have that first day of sales, I want to have the shirts ready to go and the transfers ready to transfer the, transfer onto them. So if I release it Friday morning, you buy it Friday on your way to fucking work and then I deliver it to your house that afternoon and you're wearing it to fucking last slice pizza Friday night flexing and getting your dick sucked in the toilets. That's what it's all about, baby. I'm out. Yeah!